Good evening to those in social media. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship coming to you with our Saturday night message. We're glad to be with you again on this Saturday evening. Thanking God for you listening to us. And we pray that you are enjoying the messages. Um, we're going to continue on this message about focusing on Jesus. But before we know this is Christmas season, so next week is Christmas, so I wouldn't. I won't be broadcasting on Christmas Eve, so we pray that you have a Merry Christmas and a prosperous one. Be a, pray that you have family and friends around you. But then we'll come back again on New Year's Eve, and I'll begin my messages on then. The message is taking us into the new year. But tonight we're going to continue talking about focus on Jesus. And when you focus on Jesus, guess what? Negatives become positive. That's what we're going to talk about. Negatives become positives. Okay. And so we're going to talk about that. <clears throat> First, I want to start off by saying when we approach God in self-righteousness. Okay. God, in other words, that's wrong to come to God away. So we, we can't approach God in selfish self-righteousness, but should be humble. We should humble ourselves, put all our faith in the Savior, and turn from our wicked ways. Okay. This is what we so you can't approach God in self-righteousness. You can't approach God coming to him, telling him how good you are, you know, all the stuff you've done. We can't let good things don't make you righteous uh, before God. Let me say that your good behavior. And I know we're taught that we're taught that. And maybe a lot of maybe you've been taught that, hey, if I just do this and I do that, then that's going to make me righteous. I'm trying to become more righteous by doing things. Okay, and that's not the way. No, the Bible says Jesus made us righteous. Yeah, so the moment you become saved, you are made righteous by the finished works of Jesus Christ, okay? Otherwise, at that moment, you're not going to become no more righteous in God's eyesight than, than the day you got saved. Now, your, your righteous behavior is a fruit, okay? Not the root. It is a fruit. Of you believing in Jesus. Okay, so this is what true repentance is. So let me say it again. We, we can't approach God in self-right, but we should be should humble ourselves, put our faith in the Savior, and turn from our wicked ways. Okay. This is what this is what true repentance looks like. Okay. Because we let's go to uh second chronicles chapter 7, 14. Very familiar passage for those who are in the word. Well, maybe you've heard this scripture before. You've been in church. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then when I hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal the land. Now, this is the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. You know, you no, know, this is, notice that if my people, we know that Jesus, when he died, he forgave all our sins, past, present, and future. But when you believe that, these are the things that people are going to see. You're going to become humble. You're going to pray. You're going to seek God's face. And you're going to turn from your wicked ways. Okay. 
And we know that our sins are forgiven, you know, because Jesus paid for them. But this is what true repentance looks like, okay, when you say you believe in Jesus, okay? When you say you believe in him, these are the things that's going on. These are the fruits that people are going to see in your life, okay? You know, the praying, the hum, the humble, the humility, um, the turning from the wicked ways, the wicked lifestyle, a sinful lifestyle. Not to say you're going to be perfect at it, but you begin to change, you know, and see people will see those changes. Now, I want you to notice, okay, when you read Luke 15, we're talking about this, this is talking about the prodigal son. The son did not claim any goodness of his own or try to justify his actions, but rather humbled himself and appealed to the mercy of the father. So when you, that's what Luke is. Luke 15 talks about the prodigal son. And we know those who know the story of prodigal son, he starts off by being self-righteous, by saying, asking the father, hey, give me my inheritance. I'm leaving, I'm going, hey. So he starts off in self-righteousness with pride and so forth, and the father gives it to him. But we know the Bible says that he wasted all his, we know, his wealth and so forth and fell on hard times. And when he fell on hard times, he realized how good the father had been to him. Okay? He realized that. Okay? So, but we look at the prodigal son when he comes back. He's not talking about claiming how good and how good he is. And he's not trying to justify his action because he knows action, but he look at it, he humbled himself, appealed to the, to the mercy of the Father. So let me read it. Let's look at Luke 15, chapter 18 and 19. Okay. It says here, I'm reading from New Living Trend. It says, I will go home to my father. This is what the prodigal son said. And say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called the son. Please take me as a hired servant. So listen, listen to what he's saying, okay? He is saying, hey, I've said he's not claiming here how good he was. He's not saying take me back because you know what? I was a pretty good son for 10 years. Or I was a pretty good son for five years. No, he just, hey, he throws himself at the mercy of the father. Okay. He says, hey, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just take me to the higher servant. And so this is this is what repentance looked like. These this is the and a picture in the scripture where we see repentance here. He's verbalizing his repentance. All right. So now what what is repentance? All right. So first I want to say repentance is necessary, is a necessary part of salvation. Repentance is necessary. Okay. Repentance. Repentance may include godly sorrow, but sorrow doesn't always include repentance. Let me say it again. Repentance may include godly sorrow, but sorrow doesn't always include repentance. See, because you could be sorry for something, but that don't mean that you've repented. All right, so let me go ahead and give you a definition. A definition 
of repentance. Repentance is simply a change of mind accompanied by corresponding actions. Let me say it again. I'm going to read it. Repentance is simply a change of mind accompanied by corresponding actions. So what I'm saying is, go back to the first statement, repentance may include godly sorrow, but sorrow doesn't always include, include repentance. So you can be sorry for something, but never change your mind about your behavior or your lifestyle or the thing that you did. Because I've seen people um, say they're sorry, but they go right after the sadness go away or the disappointment, or they're just sorry they got caught. Okay. But once the guilt wears off, they go right back to doing the same thing. So there was no repentance. They may have been sorry for what they did, but there was no repentance. Why? Because they did not change their mind. And then you know somebody had changed their mind because you will see a corresponding action. So that then there's two things, the change of the mind, and then the actions will follow to let people know they have actually repented of the thing they have done. So let me say, so just being sorry for something doesn't mean you repented. You know, people apologize for things. You know, and they probably have no, but that don't mean that they have truly repented. You know, they have repented when you see a corresponding action. Okay. So then there is a godly type of sorrow and an ungodly type of sorrow. The Bible talks about this. So there's a godly type of sorrow and an ungodly type of sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. So most remember the subject we're talking about is a negative becoming a positive. Okay. So when you are feeling this these this sorrow, that's a negative emotion, disappointment, um, fear, shame, guilt, all those things are negative emotions. Okay. And you may experience those negative maybe you've been experiencing based on something you have went through. But godly sorrow leads to repentance, which means a change of mind and a change of direction. Ungodly sorrow or the sorrow of this world just kills. Pay attention to that. So there's two types of sorrow. There's a, there's a godly type of sorrow. There's an ungodly type of sorrow. The godly type of sorrow leads to repentance. So what do we say repentance mean? Repentance is simply a change of mind accompanied by corresponding actions. So when you have godly sorrow, it's going to lead to a change of mind and a corresponding action is going to come along with it. Ungodly sorrow just kills, means that, hey, it's, it just kills. I mean, there's a death of something. Okay, there's a death of something. There's spiritual death. There's emotional death. You know, marriage, your marriage died, relationship died, a death of a job. It kills, okay? 
it just kills because why you didn't really change the way you think you just got caught you got you sorry you feel guilty but you continued down the same path and that's you then you have this ungodly sorrow that's not connected with jesus okay now i want to read what paul says he reads he writes to the church of corinthians um in second corinthians chapter 7 verses 8 through 10. i want you to listen to paul here and he talks about this godly sorrow and he makes this in between godly sorrow and ungodly sorrow so this is what he said he says here i'm reading from the new living trend it says I am not sorry that I sent this severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful for you for a little while, but I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wanted his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regrets for that type of sorrow. So, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. All right, now I said a lot there, so I'm going to go back. Now, I like what Paul says here. I like what Paul says. He started by saying, okay, I'm not sorry I sent you this letter. Because if you study the letter of Paul's to the Corinthians, Paul, in the first letter, he really rebuked them for a lot of things they were doing. And he was pretty hard on them. He was pretty, you know, firm with them at the thing they was doing. But notice he says, hey, he said, I'm not sorry. He said, though I was sorry at first. So, this didn't give Paul pleasure by writing this letter, but he understand he had to do. But he says, for I know it, it was painful for you for a little while. He knew it was going to hurt them. He said, but I'm glad I sent him because, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. So we see it. Paul wrote the letter. He um, told them about some things they were doing. Okay. And he knew it would hurt them. But he says, guess what? The things that I said to you, the letter I wrote in this letter, it caused you to repent, okay, and change your ways. So this is what negative. So you're going to have negative emotions. But when you focus on Jesus, when you focus on Jesus, those negative emotions will turn to positive. They will bring salvation, it says here. It will result in salvation. It will cause you, it will lead you away from sin. See, this is what God is sorrow doing. It will lead you, if, if your sorrow is not leading you away from sin, then you haven't repented. Let me say that again, because I feel like somebody needs to hear this. If you're, the thing, if you're, the sorrow that you are experiencing right now, Okay, it's not leading you away from sin. Okay, and resulting in salvation. If it's not causing you to change your mind and change that direction, then that's not true repentance. Okay, that's not true repentance. This type of repentance should lead you away from 
sin. If you're still in your sin, okay, then you haven't truly repented. Now, I'm not saying you're not safe. Maybe you are not saved because maybe if you are that person that's saved, just accept Jesus Christ in your personal savior and he begin to change your behavior as you renew your mind. But your sins will be forgiven. Okay. But as I said, once you receive Jesus Christ, true repentance means now you begin to take steps. Your actions will be in line with what you say you believe. You say you believe in Jesus. You believe he died for your sins. Now you begin to live a lifestyle that leads you out of sin, away from sin, and results in salvation. He said there will be no regrets for this kind of sorrow. Okay, though you experience a negative moment, he says, in the end, there, there'll be no regrets. Why? Because anytime you yield to Jesus, anytime you do things God with, trust me, there are going to be no regrets. I know things may not be look well, but as you begin to just trust God and do things his way, there will be no regrets. He said, but worldly sorrow lacks repentance. It lacks repentance. This means it lacks a change of mind and a change of direction. So you, I want you to challenge yourself, examine yourself today. Have I truly repented of the thing? The negative emotional experience, that sorrow, that shame, okay, that guilt that you're experiencing. Okay, has it caused you to change? To let, has it led you out of sin or are you still in sin? Are you still continuing to do the same thing? Because true repentance, as we say here, is going to lead you away. I love what it said. When you truly experience, it's going to lead you away from sin and results in salvation. That's what's up. But worldly sorrow lacks repentance and it results in spirit. It's going to kill. It's going to kill you. And it may, in some cases, physical death. Because we've been, I love what we talked about Thursday night, Bible study. We're talking about mental health. And the last days. And we were talking about how how all the things we came from Matthew chapter 24, how all the things that have happened, wars, wars, and rumors of wars, and all the things, the things we experienced, the pandemics, the disease, how it affects our emotion, our mental state. And you know what? And a lot of times people um experience these negative emotions. Okay. And it takes them down a dark path okay but when you focus on jesus when you focus on jesus negative emo negative emotions can become positive when you focus on him okay so parents have said millions of times as they correct their children this hurts me more than it hurts you Truly, this was the attitude of Paul when we what I just read. Paul was like, I didn't take pride in this. I didn't, I didn't enjoy this, you know. But he said, This is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. And I know my parents said the same thing. Maybe some of your parents said that, you know, when they was about to give you a whooping or a beating. They said, Well, you know what? This is gonna hurt me more than you hurt. They, they didn't enjoy doing it, but they knew it was necessary. And so sometimes we need to understand that. And so, so Paul, this was the attitude of Paul, and that should be the attitude of us and people who are ministering. I challenge those who are saved. You have friends 
with loved ones who are doing things, you know, speak the truth in love, tell them it's going to hurt. Okay, but correction doesn't hurt if it's received. Okay, it doesn't hurt if received. So I try to receive what I'm saying to you. If you're living in sin or you're doing something, you know, that's contrary to the word of God and you know it's not right, change your mind, get out of that. You know, God doesn't want that. He, he wants to, he doesn't want that for you. He has better for you. Okay. If you're not saved, God says, hey, I come that you may have life and have more abundant to the full, to the overflows. Okay. He wants you to have that abundant life. He died for you to have eternal life. Just receive him today as your Lord and Savior. You know, and I know sometimes reading the word or hearing the preacher preaching, it hits us. Those negative emotions hit. We, we're hurt. We are, feel shameful. We feel guilty. You know, we feel disappointed. But as you focus on Jesus, okay, he turns those things into positive. I'm going to live with him. He will turn those negative into positive when you focus on him. So our culture has rejected all the negative emotions, okay? But God gave us the capacity to for these negative emotions. And there is a proper use of them. So there is a proper use for guilt. Okay. You should feel guilty about them. People should feel bad about sin. You should feel bad about sin. You should feel bad if you, but it has this proper use. Okay. So you should never be comfortable sinning if you're a believer. You know, if you're a believer. And for those who are not saved, as the word of God has spoken to you, there should be negative emotions when you hear about the things that you're doing that God doesn't approve of. Okay, you should feel bad, but, but there should be, so people should feel bad about sin. There should be sorrow over our failures. Okay. However, this sorrow should lead to repentance. Then when forgiveness is received, sorrow should be cast upon the Lord. So there's a proper use for anger. You get angry, but there's a proper use of it. Anger can be can, can be used in a positive way. If it's given to the Lord, if as it says here, as it's cast upon the Lord, and you realize that you are forgiven, when you cast those negative emotions of the Lord, he turns them into a positive. There's, there's a positive way to use your anger. If your guilt leads you to change your way, to change your lifestyle, then hey, that's good. But if your guilt is leading you to uh, put yourself down, you have low self-esteem, you know, you just, you just continue to down a little spiral and nothing changes. You just continue to stay in your dysfunctional behavior, lifestyle, whatever case may be, then once again, that's not your repentance. But listen to what Isaiah 54 says, because it says here, when forgiveness is received, our sorrow should be cast upon the Lord. And let's look at Isaiah 53 and 4. It says, yet it was our weakness he carried. So weakness, we would consider as negative. But he carried your weakness way down the cross. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Guess what? When you focus on Jesus, when you give him 
your sorrows. Okay, that's what the thing is. He took your sorrows. It weighed him down. And not only yours, but the whole world. He took the whole world sins upon himself. Your sorrows, your weakness. And they thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. See, they thought that Jesus was being punished for his own sins. I've heard people say, well, Jesus was just a man trying to save his own people. And so he suffered for the Jews. No, it was the whole world sins were upon. He took all our negative emotions and negative behavior upon himself. Guess what? And he nailed it to the cross. That is something really to rejoice over. Man, that's really something to rejoice over, to know that Jesus took my negative soul. When I focus on, when I give him my sorrow, I don't notice that you're forgiven. He forgave you for all that. Way down the cross, he says, I've forgiven your sins, past, present, and future. I've forgiven you. But when you focus on Jesus, you give them to him. And he turns around and changes that and makes it into a positive. What a mighty God we serve. He has the ability to do that. But that's what Isaiah said. Let me read it again. Isaiah 53, he says, yeah, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Not his own. It was ours. And he nailed it to the cross. He got the victory over sin and death, over all those negative emotions that you have. He got the victory. And guess what? He gave us positive. What the Bible says, the Bible says, hey, um, he gave us, one scripture says, for our heaviness, he gave us joy. Okay. You know, for chaos, he gave us peace. Okay. He, he gave us, for hate, he gave us love. He turned all those things into a positive. You know, he gave us those things when he died for us. And all you got to do is receive it by faith. So sorrow, the sorrow experienced by those who turn to God produces only death. It, it, the sorrow experienced by those who don't turn to God only produces death. So when you experience sorrow, if you don't turn to God, if you don't begin to start focus on Jesus, as I say, if you're not saved, that's what saved. Turn to God and allow him and turn your sorrows, okay, into praise. Turn your heaviness into praise. Well, you say, well, what am I praising now? I'm praising him because, hey, I no longer have to feel guilty about what I did. I no longer have to feel, you know, wonder uh, whether I'm going to be with Jesus now, whether I'm going to heaven here. That is something. That's how he turns your negativeness into a positive. I don't have to worry about that. Why? I don't have to worry about what people say, because, hey, I'm forgiven by Jesus. And you, you just stand as you begin to follow God. You just go watch your life being turned around by what God is doing in your life. As you, that's it, repent, change the way you think, and your actions going to follow. People are going to see that negative turn into a positive.
That's what God is specializing. He specializes in turning the negatives into a positive. Okay, they, they grieve over our situation because they don't turn to God, okay? So they grieve over their situations because they don't turn to God. Christians should only have sorrow until they repent. So you should only have sorrow until you repent. So if you're still feeling guilty, if you're still feeling shame, then that means you haven't truly repented. Because once you repent, once you believe, now you got to believe that God has forgiven you. Now, it may be a process. You may still have some of those feelings. But over a period of time, as you continue to believe what God said about you, those negative emotions are going to change into a positive. And you will feel that joy, that peace, that love from God that he said should be ours. It's ours through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So once repentance has come, we need to appropriate the forgiveness and the cleansing that is already ours through Jesus Christ. Let's read first, first John chapter one and nine. It says that you confess your, our sins to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. So as you confess, as true repentance takes place, you know you're forgiven. Okay, you know that you're cleansed from all wickedness, from all things. This is what he does. This is how he turns our negatives into a positive as we focus on Jesus. So my final statement here is the positive changes, the positive change that our sorrows lead us to. The positive change that our sorrows lead us to change our attitudes toward the things that cause sorrow. So negative becomes positive through Jesus Christ. So our positive change that our sorrow leads us to, it, it, change, it leads to a change of attitude. That's what that positive change, when sorrow, when you have a godly sorrow, it would lead to a change of attitude toward the things that caused us sorrow. Okay, so your attitude changes. Okay, your attitude changes. And that negative becomes a positive through Jesus Christ. But if true repentance doesn't take place, you will always begin, you're going to continue to feel guilty, feel shame, feel hurt, all those emotions, and they're going to lead you down the path away from God. Matter of fact, it's going to still, it's going to keep you in sin. It's going to keep you in sin. It's not going to lead you out of sin. But true repentance leads you away from sin. And so this is only going to happen. The negative is only going to become positive when you focus on Jesus. When you trust in the finished works of Jesus Christ and believe that he has paid for my sins, past, present, and future. Let me pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. For every ear that's listened to me, I thank you for all that you've done for us. God, I thank you for taking the negative in terms of power to what you did through your blood on Calvary. I thank you, God, that right now people's 
lives are being changed. People lives are being transformed as they believe in you, as they repent and change the way they think. God, I thank you that addictions are being broken. I thank you that lifestyles are being changed. I thank you that minds are being renewed because they focus on you. They focus on Calvary and what you did for that the blood was shed for us and paid for every negative emotion. Now, God, I thank you for turning those negative into a positive. That people begin to walk in love, walk in peace. God, walk in the authority that you have given us. And I bless your name, God. I thank you. I speak to every person that's listening. I, God, I pray for those that will listen to this message on God, that yoke will be broken off them. Things that negative emotions that are weighing them down. I speak a release in the life in the name of Jesus. And I call them delivered and set free. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Once again, I thank you for listening. Once again, we're not going to be with you next week. Because next week is Christmas Eve. So pray that you enjoy Christmas. Spend time with your family. But we're going to be back with you on um, New Year's Eve to give you a message to take you into the new year. Once again, thank you for listening. And may God bless.